context, except that in order to build community, you need to actually communicate with one another and deepen relationship. So the way to do that is actually to have meaningful and purposeful conversations. The handout is uh, able to be downloaded on the website or I've just put it in the comment section in the chats as well. You can download a PDF there. I just want to work through this quickly because the main thing I want to do is actually do some role playing, some, some opportunity for you to see Chris, Jane and I in doing it in action. So the first part is theory, but the, the main part of it is I want you to see how we do it and then ask questions as to why we're doing things a certain way. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be opportunity for you to see it in action because I think some of these things you can only see in action. Okay, so the first thing is, uh, these are the, the two aims that I have when I'm having conversations with people. Okay, meaning to get to a deeper heart level beneath the superficial and purpose to move in a direction towards Jesus. So depth and direction, or meaning and purpose. That's what I, I, I'm aiming for. I'm praying for in a conversation. Some people would say that's really contrived, Andy, you know, like just let it be organic and let it flow. But if you look at Jesus, he is actually quite deliberate in the way he interacts with people. Think of the Samaritan woman in John 4. He has a very deliberate conversation, okay, with that lady. Now, I would say it's contrived, if I'm aiming to do something for myself in that conversation, but if my aim is for the good of that other person, then it's beautiful, isn't it? Because that's what Jesus does. He has a purpose and a meaning behind conversations for the good of the other person. And I think we as Christians should do that more in the way that we communicate with others. But Craig, these are the assumptions that I have as I go into conversation. Everyone needs to be heard. I think there's a deep need for people to be heard. I can't fix, save, or solve, but Jesus can. Okay, I'm a guy. I like to fix problems, but I can't fix problems, okay? Because only Jesus can fix problems, and people need Jesus. So there's a third one. Everyone needs Jesus, including me. Okay, I'm not a superman who has all the answers, and everyone needs to come to me to have solutions. They need to come to Jesus. And I need to do that when I'm talking with people. I need Jesus as well. God can use weak vessels like me to bless others. So when I feel that I can't really do anything or change anything, I need to realize that God can work through me. Okay, here are the principles in practice. God is sovereign over every conversation. So pray before, during, and after a conversation. Uh, Nehemiah, okay, this is at the start of the book as he wants to go back to rebuild um, the walls of Jerusalem, this is, this is what happens when he's still in exile. He's the cupbearer. I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? This, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the king of heaven and I answered the king. It, it's it's a, the tiniest, shortest prayer. And he's actually quite emotional about everything and quite like this fear and this sadness going on in him. And he's now meant to say something really meaningful to the king because he wants to go back. And he shoots up this little prayer before he does it. 
So before I go into a conversation, this is the prayer I, I pray. Uh, Lord, help me to not be a hindrance to this person, but a help. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what I pray before I go into a conversation. Be slow to speak and quick to listen, so learn to ask questions. This is the lost art, okay? Asking questions and listening, it's a lost art in conversation. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Every, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So more on asking questions a bit later. Listen because you love, not because it is a technique. Proverbs 20, the intentions of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. Okay, let me ask you, why are people not taking the vaccine or wanting people to take the vaccine? The reasons are really complex, okay? It's not just one single reason. If you talk to someone about their position on the vaccine, you might hear, if you listen really carefully, three or four different things going on inside them. If you seek to understand and you ask God for help, you might be able to draw some of those out so that they can be talked about. Be aware of your own weakness. Approach someone side by side, not top down. 1 Timothy 1, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I, I think it's amazing that the apostle Paul, right, can say that he's the worst of all sinners. Because what he, what he does is he actually identifies with other sinners that he's a sinner. You know, often we want to go to the expert, the pastors, the expert, the, the therapists, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, they're superior and I'm down here. Whereas I think a lot more is to be gained when we say to each other, we are fellow sinners and we're walking towards Christ. Okay, and I'm, I'm trying to help you and you're trying to help me. Learn to grieve with others and not to solve problems. So I think one of the human, the common human experience is grief when you live for long enough on this life. And I think we need to learn how to sit with and walk with each other in grief. Romans 13, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. John 11, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And this is him knowing that he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He didn't go, oh, take it easy, guys. It's all going to be happy ending. He, he grieves with them. Don't be afraid of silence. Job 2, then uh, Job's friends. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because how they, how, because they saw how great his suffering was. The best thing that those friends did was to stay silent, okay? The moment they opened their mouths, um, things started to go pear-shaped. I, I think when I'm talking to someone, sometimes there might be a minute or so of silence. Uh, and, and that feels like an eternity sometimes but I actually think it's a good thing to allow someone to percolate or to process or to grieve. Address the heart that drives the behavior. James 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. When, when I look at things taking place on Facebook and I know someone about the, something about that person, I actually can see where the comments are coming from. 
even though other people cannot because they don't know that person. And the sad thing is when you're just talking from surface to surface and not heart to heart, things go pear-shaped. I would rather have a conversation which is heart to heart, not surface to surface or wall to wall. Ask God for helpful scripture to share. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. Ask where God is in the situation and what difference does it make to know Jesus? So this is the question I would ask of a Christian. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Okay, amidst all the, the grief and, and when you listen really well, there's a point often in a conversation where you're able to ask the person, where do you see God in all this? And that brings them back to thinking about God again. Share about yourself when you are asked or when it is helpful for the other person. 1 Thessalonians 2, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So like as a pastor, I'm not called to be a professional. I'm called to be a shepherd and I'm called to be a brother of my brothers and sisters. So it is appropriate actually at times to learn how to share with other people. But sometimes we can share too early. So say someone says something to me and I say, oh, that just reminds me of my situation. I totally get what you're saying, but I have no idea what they're saying, okay? Because I haven't listened. And my situation is always different to their situation. Offer to pray at the end of the conversation, Ephesians 6, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So I would rather pray than just offer simple solutions. Because by praying, I'm actually saying God is in this and we can bring this before God. Let's talk to him now, okay? So we're not. We're not just saying the simple solutions land with people. I'll give you the simple solution. God is the one who provides solutions. God is at work before I, I get there and after I leave. Philippians 1.4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So sometimes we can feel overwhelmed, like, Someone's sharing something really heavy with me, and it's up to me now. Where, no, God was already there before, and he's going to be there after you leave. Just do what he's given you to do now. Be faithful. You're not God. Okay, types of questions that I think are helpful to learn how to ask. Questions that help others to process hurt and grief. Uh, tell me what happened in your conversation with your housemate. And this retelling of things is really helpful for someone because they may not have had that opportunity and you're starting to help them process now by just sharing the actual incidents that happened. Okay, a follow-on question is really good. This is the second kind of question that follows on. What did your housemate say to you? Uh, when you shared about what your housemate said to you, how did that make you feel? So we're driving deeper now. We're getting beyond just the incidents to some of what is going on with the emotion of the response uh, for that person. Now, you're, you're trying to move towards the heart of the person. Why do you think that comment from your housemate hurt you so much? Okay, now we're getting closer to the heart. Questions that bring the focus to God and Jesus. Where is God in the hurt that you're feeling? Uh, if these words of your housemate 
are still ringing in your ears. What do you think God would say to you from the Bible? So now I'm really trying to bring their relationship with God into the situation. And now I'm trying to ask questions that will help them find their own problems and solutions. Okay. You're, avo you're avoiding your housemate at the moment. What do you think God wants you to do with your relationship with your housemate? So I'm not telling them what they should do, but I'm encouraging them to seek God in owning their solution and owning their problem. I'm not the fixer. Okay. Uh, a few resources that Chris and I recommend side by side by Ed Welch, caring for one another by Ed Welch and together through the storm by Sally Sims. They're very simple and they're very practical, very short books. Okay. But they're really helpful in learning how to have these kinds of conversations. Um, I don't know if I'll open it up to questions yet. I might actually get, um, we might just throw into one of these scenarios, case studies, and we haven't rehearsed these, but we have just flagged with each other what we might ask. Um, but we wanted to share with you, and, and to a degree, we wanted to be a bit vulnerable with you guys to just sort of model what um, a conversation like this might look like. Again, this is a horrible medium for it, isn't it? I, I, it's, Zoom's useful, but I'm so frustrated by it. But um, it's the best we can do at the moment. Okay, so I'm going to stop sharing. And we're going to, uh, I, I guess the best way might be to um, have, a, have it in the big active spotlight, something like that, so that whoever is speaking, we can actually try and make some body language that encourages some meaningful conversation. Uh, the first conversation is, I think Jane is going to talk to me. So here we go. Thanks, Andy. Um, we did decide that I would uh, start by speaking with you, but by your own admission, you're not good at sharing and it's common for you to answer, answer a question with another question. So I'm asking Lord to make you open today. Um, so Andy, a few months ago, um, there was a Bundy young woman and you and I, Janet Bundy, she was going through a pretty stressful time. She had a lot on her plate. And you were able to share with her too that you also were in a situation um, that was pretty stressful, with a lot on your plate. Um, and then I think the following Sunday in church, Neil announced to everybody at all the services that Andy would be on leave. Uh, please don't contact him, contact all of the other pastors. So um, then you took some weeks off um, your pastoring. So could you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, why did you take the time out for a start? Um, yeah, so sort of like after after Easter, Emma um, Emma said to me that she noticed what she thought were signs of burnout. Um, and and we talked a bit about that. I, I appreciate that. I think there was an element where she was a bit sort of cautious about that because she wasn't sure how I would react about that. But I think as I, as I thought a bit more about it and read some things, I think, I think she was right. I think there were things that I could see. I was tired. I think I was, there were not things that were giving me energy. Um, 
and I think there's a part to it. Everyone in COVID is feeling a degree of uh, sort of um, grief and unmotivation, you know, but I think there was also sort of unhealthy, just unsustainable pushing myself um, in work. And I think it, it caught up to me to some degree. And I, I spoke to Neil when he came back from leave and he was really good. He just said immediately that I should take leave the next Sunday and to take four weeks off. Um, and he also put me on to um, a really good psychiatrist. So I, I, I just went for a few walks with this psychiatrist and um, just being in, in nature, walking and talking. And it was like, he was like, um, it's like Yoda, you know, there were things that I asked him that were really, his, he was very wise. And I think he helped me to see some things about me that were really helpful. Yeah. Mm. Praise God for a wise wife and a senior pastor and a psychologist. And um, Andy, I'm really thankful that you um, were willing to listen to these people and take it on board, recognise the things that were happening because that's um, living an unsustainable life. not going to... Uh, you can't sustain that for us all, can you? For God and for yourself and for all of us. Um, and so with these walks with the psychiatrist, um, and the things that you were learning, uh, what steps did you take to to um, to I guess change the direction you were going in, or um, get your life back into a a place where you could it could be sustainable and you would find joy again and energy? What steps were yep. that you were able to take? Um, that's a good question. I think. Um, can I pause there? Can I pause the case study for a moment? Yep. So, and this is not criticism of Jane, but probably the question I would have asked in that context would have been, what did you learn about yourself from your walks with the psychiatrist? Okay. So does everyone get why I would ask that question? What's Jane's question? What are you going to change? Yep. I'm thinking... I think Jane I'm thinking, yes, I might ask, you know, how you might have changed, but I think certainly first, yeah, what did you learn? Yeah, so I think what would be more helpful is that I, I sort of didn't reveal oh. to Jane what I actually learned about myself from those walks. So what, what I would do there is actually give the person an opportunity to tease out some of those things, the things that have been percolating about what you learned about yourself so I wouldn't jump to what are you going to do differently or what are you going to change? I would ask that that question first because I, I and as someone, so I'm really good at hiding myself because I've got these protective layers. So what I do is I'm really good at deflecting stuff and I'll just turn it back to you or I'll just share minimally because I'm gauging whether you want to hear or not. If you don't want to hear, I'm not going to tell you. That's me. Other people are different, but that's what I do. Yep. So if you wanted to make me sort of go deeper, you would ask that question, Jane. So when you were walking, so Jane did a great job of actually summarizing and listening to what I shared with her. Yeah. So I would, I would actually go there. I would say, what did you learn 
about yourself from those walks with the psychiatrist. Yeah. So, Andy, what did uh, you learn from those walks with the psychiatrist? I don't want to share with you, Jane. I'm really self-protecting. No, okay. Um, he, he said one thing, which was really, we were talking and he, he knows a bit about me. And, and he said, you take your job too seriously. And, you know, being, wow, oh, you know, I'm in ministry. What could be more important, right? <laughs> and I think the thing that was really helpful as I reflected on that was, was the you. You take your job too seriously. And I think the thing that I reflected on was the picture I had in my mind was that I was holding up a damn wall of everyone's needs and there's all these holes poking everywhere and all the stuff is gushing out and I can't hold it up anymore. And COVID's only built the wall with more pressure. And I think when he said that, it just made me realise I had the wrong idea in my head is that I'm not the one holding up people. I'm not the one who's in control of anything. And God is the one who who saves people and who sustains people and he gives life to people and I just have to learn how to embrace that and not feel like it's all up to me so I think that was a significant sort of shift in the, in the way that I think about my ministry mm, that's awesome he's the one so Andy once you realize that that it's not you and it is God how did you go deeper with God recognizing he's the one who has the answers to your situation at time yeah that's a really good question jane can i say that's um i i think it's been um an opportunity to learn to be more dependent i think um i i have had to recognize that i need to pray more before i do things because i think I think I'm much more capable than I really am. Um, and I think I really need to just come to, to God before I do anything and really commit all that I do to God. Um, otherwise, it inevitably, it comes back to me somehow. I haven't done a good job. I've let people down or I haven't done enough. Or I haven't done the right things. It's me, me, me. Such a good lesson for me as well. Thank you. Um, so learning what it's going to look like, what it looks like, look like for you then. Pray more, come to God, we do anything. It's not what you can do. It is what he can do. Um, How is that now working out in your everyday life? What's that looking like in your everyday? Well, I guess, let's go back a bit. What did it look like in your everyday when you were taking that time out? And then coming to now, when you're back in, in ministry, how's that working out now? Maybe for time to put into practice. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question. I think, I think one of the things that I wasn't doing well was taking a day off, uh, uh, building a, a more consistent Sabbath rest. Mm. Um, and I've tried. I don't think I've done that consistently well. Um, Thursdays are my my day off, but I think I yeah I've tried, but it hasn't. I think I, I was wanting to do that sustainably, and then lockdown happened again, and it sort of throws everything back into a sort of makeshift routine. 
and I, I don't think I've I've fully succeeded at doing that particularly well. I think one of the things that I've I've done is actually just reduced the amount of things that I'm trying to do in a week, um, which which really has meant I think less um, phone calls and sort of catch ups for me because I think in the end that they're probably the things that uh, I've had less emotional capacity for um, so I think that's definitely helped but I, I don't think I've fully seen the other side yet of what will look different since before I was starting to burn out yeah yeah so that's something that um, God has really shown you that you need to take rest you need to have a time of rest a time with him you'd say the day of Sabbath rest and the third is not quite working um, how, uh, what plans do you have to try and rejig that so that it might be, because it's something that God was showing you that you needed to do, take time out, take a day of rest, not quite working. What plans do you have to rejig that so that it will work because you're recognising it's important? Good question. I think, um, I think I... I have to go out. I think, I think one of the things that I find hard is I need to, I, like if I'm at home, I just will tend to just do work of some sort. I think I need, need to, to actually remove myself, um, spend some more time outside, uh, do things, uh, particularly try and do things, um, in the day, um, and not just sort of revert to the default, which is just to check email. And, you know, I, I, I think I have to learn to switch things off. I'm not very good at that connectedness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I need to do that. I need, I think I need people to ask me how I'm going with it. Cause I think there's a degree of accountability about that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Andy, how would you there, feel if I asked you? Sorry, I thought you finished there. Um, I would welcome you to ask me, Jane. Okay. I think you've been good at doing that in the past with with things or, or asking me more deliberate pointed questions. And I think that's, I appreciate that because I know you're doing that for my good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that permission. Um, it's not asked to be, it's not um, easy to be willing to have someone keep you accountable. So thanks, Andy. And in all of this, um, you mentioned Emma early on, and I have an idea that I'm jumping, Andy, and this might not be what I'm, where I'm supposed to go, but it's quite, um, I think of it quite often as you've been speaking. You mentioned Emma at the beginning. Emma's been a wonderful journey and companion with you uh, through all of your married life, and certainly at this time. I just wonder if you could let me know what it's been like to have Emma journey with you in this whole scenario obviously before that's led up to this um, and then what it's like now I'll, I'll pause there yeah. Jane did a really good thing there okay so so what she did was she drilled down in one thing about me and then she's jumped into another thing to explore with me they're, they're different but they're related but they're equally good things to keep going with um, so that was really good because I think basically you, you'd sort of walk one path and now you're jumping on another path that is really helpful because it, it both shows that she 
wants to know me better and she's trying to explore what what might come from this for example me appreciating my wife more you know or, or giving thanks to god more for my wife um look emma's been vital to me i i i think um i think without emma i would just not be where i am you know i think she she helps bring the best out in me for god she's she's the gift that god has given me that shows me in some tangible ways at times his grace and his faithfulness and um yeah she's incredible blessing to me so i have valued her greatly i think i would i think if with if not for her i would be like completely the guy who burns out in ministry at a young age and then probably just runs to the ground whereas i think she's the one who's trying to help me sustain a longer race yeah Getting emotional, my heart's beating fast, Andy. Thank you so much for sharing that about MR. Um, and I think that's a great testimony to all of us, that that's in, a, in, in marriage relationships and in any relationship. Um, that's who we're to be for each other. God gives us these people in our lives that we can share it with and go deep. Um, so, Andy, Emma and you are... Um, uh, parenting your family together. All of, when you went into um, when you had your time out, you're there living with your family. Dad's not working anymore. Um, you've got to explain that to the children. You then you they've got to watch you um, in that time out time, and then they watch you going forward. Uh, what are some ways that you are uh, that they maybe could you share some of the journey that's been with your family, the children's reactions, your responses? How that's worked out as a family unit? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's hard. It, it, there, two weeks of the four were in lockdown. So um, I think it was tricky. I think if it wasn't in lockdown, they would have, like, I the first week of, of the leave was not in lockdown. And I think, like, I, I went for a bike ride to the city and I was sort of... Trying to to detox, you know, like I'm not tox, de de sort of stress myself, and I think uh, it would have looked probably a little different for them. But you know, they they don't often sort of observe what I do during the day when they're at school and things like that. And then a couple more weeks were in lockdown, and I think in lockdown it's a really strange environment. I don't think they would have seen much that was different, except I might have had a bit more time um, just to have with with them in different ways. But, you know, I've got two teenagers, so they're kind of doing their own thing at the moment. I uh, probably had a, a little bit more time with my son. I'm not sure they, they would really have noticed a great deal, but we did. I did talk to the girls about it because they're old enough to understand that I was just having a break because I was pushing very hard and it's actually a good thing. They didn't really say much apart from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you shared with them um, what's happened, what you've learned from God um, about yourself, about him over this time? I, I don't think I have um, because I, I'm not sure, you know, again, I don't know how engaged they are with 
talking like that, talking at depth, talking really heart to heart. Um, I think at the moment, I think there's probably a phase in which it, it's super awkward if we talked like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy, going forward, you're back at work. Um, you've you've recognised that you need to let God be God. It's His ministry. It's not you who has to do everything to keep it ticking over. Learned about a need for rest. You're back at work. What's it like being back at work after this experience and knowing what God has been teaching you? Yeah, I. Look, I love being at Bundy. I love, I love um, serving alongside people and serving people. Serving Jesus at Bundy is a, is my privilege. Um, I, yeah, I I think at, at one level, at the start, I think I was a bit sort of wary of what capacity I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have reduced capacity. I think that's what I've realised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still not sure exactly what gives me energy and what trains me. I'm still trying to figure out um, what it looks like to be sustainable. I think I've learned to be a bit more honest about mm-hmm. how things are going, um, allowing people to see the weakness. And um, there are a few things at the moment. I think lockdowns made it difficult to know what what normal will be. Mm. when when we're all back together like what that looks like in terms of what's really going to change for the long term yeah Yeah. and in all of this what um scriptures have been exceptionally help especially helpful to you yeah um that's a really good question um I think, yeah, it's been helpful um, to know that everything is in God's control. I think it's been actually helpful to to really reflect on the fact that God is sovereign over um, every detail. And, you know, I was, um, let me see. If I can find it, I was doing things in um, preaching on John chapter 10. Um, when I was coming back, I was, um, not John chapter 10, sorry. My mind is a bit all over the place. Yeah, sorry, Jane, I can't think right now but yeah do you want to ask another question <laughs> how much longer do we have Andy? uh it's probably enough time yeah because i think we probably need to shift to a second conversation but what would you what was the rest of what you were going to do i don't know i was going to try and go as as it was as we were going just trying to follow the lord's guidance but i was going to say um that I would like to talk about scripture, but I also would like to pray for you, Andy. And I should have said at the beginning, if you don't mind, is it okay if I write down a few notes, so not a few notes, a few points, so that I might be able to pray for you, um, according to what we've been saying. But 
I would then say, can I pray for you, Andy? So yep. do we go ahead and do that now? Or just know I that think, that's what we're next? Yeah, I think for time's sake, I think we probably would just leave it there. Yeah. But um, can I just try to... Sorry? No. I was going to say, just if throw... scripture comes... You go, Andy. If a scripture had come to you, what were you going to say? Oh, if something had come to me, I would have said um, that, uh, you know, is this something that would be helpful for you or like there would be a scripture from you that might have been helpful or a scripture that I might have, that God might have brought to mind that I might be able to offer to you as help um, for the situation that you're in. Um, I know that happens occasionally for me. I'd like to be better at it, but I do want to know what God is saying about this to you. And sometimes I can be a conduit of that. Yeah, I think it helped me that I, I don't think any specific scripture has come to my mind as I was thinking about that. But it, it, it actually makes me think that I actually need to, like one of the things I should do is actually meditate more on a particular scripture, maybe about the likely, you know, the likelihood that I might burn out in the future. So that's prompted me to do that. If I was more defensive, I'd probably feel threatened by that. Yeah, so I think it's helpful if you're going to do that to have a scripture in your mind that you could share if someone doesn't have one. Okay, yeah. all right, that sounds good. Thank you, Andy. Um, and how would you feel about me when I'm asking you about how you're going with your day of Sabbath rest? If I asked you how you're going with um, discovering some, some scriptures to particularly meditate on? Yeah, I think I think that would be fine, you know. I think... The thing is, I think you have to gauge, like this is really hard work for me. A lot of people I talk to like to share, but for me to share is actually quite draining because I'm not good at it. Yeah, so like even the length that we've talked for now is quite draining for me emotionally. Yeah, so I think you have to gauge whether the person, like some people just love sharing, you know, but I'm not one of those. I, I could... I'm I'm really good at asking and drawing things out and I could talk to a person for an hour and a half, two hours, because they'll just keep sharing with me. But I, I don't actually find it energizing sharing. For me it's important, but it's not something that I find energizing. Yeah. And I don't know if others um watching recognize that, but I figured you were tiring. So I said how much longer we've got to go. Thanks, Andy. So so that's probably long for me. But for someone else, we might just be getting started. Yeah. So what did Jane do well in that conversation? I'm a big girl. You can, I can take your criticism. She, uh, she showed that she was listening to you and taking in what you were saying. I think um yeah. I think I can follow the like the flow of um of what Jane was trying to uh, achieve from the conversation. Like at the first few questions was really follow up from what Andy just like was willing to open up to, and then a little bit reflection on that um, on the surface. Um, and then he she actually go deeper in terms of how how what's the role of God in this conversation and then from there uh, of course like also to see what Andy's kind of um, commission in a sense that she actually go 
a step further in terms of like what the present look like and what the plan for the future. So I feel like the flow is really good in terms of help someone to open up. Yeah. Uh, Joe said lots of reflective listening. And I think that's actually really key. You you listen, not not as a technique. Okay. So some people think reflective listening is this sort of strange, um, horrible technique. But if you're really listening to someone, you're, you're going to ask something that follows on from that because you, you care. Andrew, are you going to ask something? Say something. Uh, I can see you're excited, Jade. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, I was actually just going to ask maybe the opposite. And that was actually, for someone like you, Andy, where it's transparent that it's like actually like draining, is like actually when do you observe that it's worth pulling the pin? Because there's probably only so far people can go in one conversation, particularly if it's actually quite difficult. And so, like, how would you discern maybe the end point? Because also we've probably been in conversations where it's like even we, the person that's driving the questions, becomes exhausted. And so there has to be an end point. Yeah, like if it was me, I would have flagged it 10 minutes ago. Or, yeah, I would have probably seen that the person's flagging and just brought it to an end. So, like prayed, you know, can I, is it okay if I pray for you? Yeah. I would say it's something like that, like having giving them an opportunity to be heard and to talk a bit. And if I, if it was possible to ask the God question, I'd ask the God question. And then after that, if I'm really sensing they're tired or they don't want to share, I would just say, is it okay if I pray for you? And then wrap it up there. Chris? Yeah, I mean, one point, it's probably good at this point to open up questions generally, because I think we haven't got really much time left. Um, so feel free to, to to open up questions. Um, but I was also going to add, um, these conversations can be ongoing at many, in many ways. So it may not be the end of the world to just say it at an earlier point. Um, you know, this is something that's like clearly big for you at the moment that, um, that we've been talking about. And it's probably good to just keep touch, touching base if you're okay with that every so often. Just some other way to just say that it's not just done and dusted here. But we're actually happy to keep this conversation going from time to time to, to check in. In fact, that that's the way I think we should do our conversations in church. Like we, we we're walking. That's how I would describe it. We're walking together. We're not solving a problem and then it goes away. We're actually learning how to walk with each other, which means that we might come back to something. Okay. So for example, the conversation I was going to have with Chris was. I was going to ask Chris how things are going, you know, how, how his work is going. And, and obviously it's crazy uh, with lockdown and how, you know, how you, all sorts of things we could talk about generally. And then the thing that I would focus on was, you know, like a, a, almost a couple of years ago, Chris, you, um, you shared with me that your dad had been diagnosed with a early, early uh, dementia, early Alzheimer's. And yeah, do you, how, how are things going with your dad? since then so it's actually remembering something and then trying to bring it into the present conversation just to know where where that's at right now um and then just listening for where chris might take that conversation where god might take that conversation and then i expect that we'll have another conversation a bit later about 
about that about that topic. Yeah. Um, that's not the only topic because I could ask uh, Chris about um, doing, you know, how, how it's been having young kids, you know, at home and how all that's going, especially trying to juggle work and, and home learning and everything like that. There could yeah. be other things that we talk about. Yeah. Because in one sense, it's impossible to really get to to cover so much territory in one conversation, particularly like if it's limited to just after church, perhaps, if you're just walking with someone back to their car, like it, you're just not going to be able to cover it in all its territory. Like one of the, the topic I was going to discuss with Jane was um, just getting to know more about her relationship with Mal, her husband who passed away uh, how many years ago now, Jane? Mute. Sorry, it'll be 12 years ago on Friday. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I know about Mal from how you've spoken about him is just how much joy it actually gives you to speak about him. And so that's something I'd like to keep coming back to because I know it actually loves you to, for you to have the chance to speak about Mal. And you can't just sum up Mal from what I know of him in like a, a short conversation. It takes time to unpack him and how much he meant to you like over the course of many conversations. Other, other um, questions for, yeah, Andy. There, there are questions that drive to the heart. Okay, so when you ask questions like, how did that make you feel? or um, what did you what did you lose you know what what's the grief that you experienced in that situation help someone come in touch with their emotions and it's getting a bit closer to the heart you know so mm -hmm. so for example if jane had asked me that question about how did it make you feel when you took leave i would have said i felt like i was letting people down i felt like I was dumping stuff on the other pastors. Uh, I felt to a degree, even though I knew it in my head, I felt like I was failing. Yep. So that's again, hitting something about my, my heart, my identity. And that's where the stuff is that you want God to address. Right. Andrew. Uh, now, <clears throat> For those of us that are perhaps more emotionally stunted, the how did that make you feel question is like repulsive. And Ask his questions. And that, that also, exactly what he said all the time. Yeah, and also actually like uh, it's it's kind of, I think it yeah, induces silence like, oh, more than sharing. And so like, do you actually have a, if we're putting the owner, part of this is actually learning to have better avenues for questions. Do you actually have the side door uh, for someone that's actually one, maybe unwilling, or two, just actually doesn't have those terms for the way they process and therefore that's actually not going to get you anywhere. If anything, it might actually have a negative effect. And if that's not really cool. Sorry, if you ask them how they feel, their reaction might be what? Can you say? So if you say, you know, how do you feel about that? For some people, it's actually just not how they like, it's not how they think or process. And so therefore, 
or it's like they don't even think it's a matter of feelings it's a matter of fact and so do you actually have other ways of getting people to process that don't actually require how did you feel to be the avenue for reflection because i think for some people like myself it's just actually not like i'm going to just sit there thinking about that question for half an hour rather than actually being able to answer it yeah look if if someone is a thinker um rather than a feeler i would phrase it in think language right but uh, this is i'm not an, a natural emoter okay so emma is and emma's taught me how to be more emotionally engaged i would have said i'm a i'm a rational thinker uh, but i've actually recognized that i've got emotions um still raging underneath as we all do but i've learned how to find language that is able to express that i think the thinker often thinks that they're not emotional but they really are so what i would actually do with someone like that is try and trap them in the logic of their thinking and actually get them to see that they are emotional right uh how would i do that say for someone like me i'd actually say what did you think when you went on leave okay what did you think when you went on leave think what did you think about yourself when you went on leave what did you think about the impact of you going on leave so i haven't used any fear language there um and then i would try and get them to see that underlying that is some sort of emotional identity in that uh so i was talking to someone the other day and um she's had two relatives die through covid and she's trying to hold the family together um but i actually think what she's doing is enabling her family in their sinful behavior and and i i said to her actually i i challenged her about that i said so you think you're going to hold everyone together by giving everyone what they want uh giving them money uh paying for everything and then somehow it will actually make sense that they will all stay together is it working i said to to her is it actually working do you think that it's actually going to hold the family together uh deep down what i want her to to do is to grieve the death of her relatives and not face a prospect where she now holds the guilt that she tore her family apart but she's not uh she's asian so asians don't naturally emote they like to do things okay so uh i'm trying to get her to see the logic of what she's doing in that it doesn't really work and it won't bring about the the solution that she thinks it will and in fact she may feel much worse and just want to suppress that so she's told me that the day she doesn't want to think about the loss of her her relatives she just wants to not think about it and she wants to put her energy into doing stuff and i i actually don't think it actually works and i want to get her to get more in touch with what is actually going on with her emotions but i've got to do that as andrew says in other ways i've got to ask her questions to see whether logically she can see that it just it's not working now and i don't think it will actually work to achieve what she wants yeah look uh, unless he's raised a good question i think i think where there is trauma okay 
And I think this is the thing where there is trauma. I actually think you need to walk. Um, you need to walk pretty carefully. Uh, when someone has actually experienced a lot of trauma um, through stuff to do with family or something very significant that has happened, I think it is actually helpful to actually get other people involved who are trained and experienced in helping someone with trauma. So this is also the value of having a meaningful conversation is what you do is you have brothers and sisters in the church who walk alongside you and they can point you to Jesus. But where you recognize your limitations, you actually need to actually say, look, I, I think you actually need to go and talk to someone to help you work through some very specific things. Um, I can see that this, this is triggering for you. Uh, you're feeling incredible. Yeah, I, I see it. I see there's things actually going on for you. And you may not be able to talk about that, um, but I actually think it is actually worth you going to talk to someone to, to begin to process, to begin to get some tools to know how to process uh, the emotion that I'm seeing. But in order to do that, you actually do need a degree of depth. You know, we do need enough depth with each other that we can even have a conversation like that. And and I think we actually do need to actually allow each other to walk at least that closely where we can actually begin to, to have conversations like that. Uh, maybe time for one more question. If there is one. Can I ask a question, um, probably of you, Andy, just in that talking about that depth of relationship, how do we um, say in like a church community where there's a lot of people, I think I liked how Jane, she almost, I think along the way, she was kind of like seeking your consent to have that deeper level of conversation. How do we kind of gauge um, when it's appropriate to have deeper conversations and when maybe we're not the person to have that conversation do you know what I mean like is there do you think there's context in a church community where like I almost don't have the right to have that deep conversation with this person because there's not enough connection there do you, do you know what I mean um look I, I just on that I would say there's a wisdom to men and women being you know people of the opposite genders um, going to intimate in conversation. So I think there's an awareness that um, I, I wouldn't encourage that as a normal rule. Okay. Now I know the pastors have to do that at some level um, in, in our conversations with women, but I think we need to safeguard that accountability. I wouldn't necessarily encourage that as a, as a, as a common practice that you go there on very deep things with someone of the opposite sex, um, unless it, there's there's a recognition in your role that you you do that. Um, I would say I would probably take the risk more often than not, Maddie, in general. So 
if if I see if I just have a conversation with someone and they tell me that they've lost their job, um, I would go there. I would go there and talk about a whole range of things because it, it feels like God has presented me an opportunity to do that. Uh, my first reaction wouldn't be to say, uh, I don't know if I have that depth of relationship with you. Maybe someone else might be more appropriate. I would actually say, um, under God's sovereignty, I'm here. I could have talked to three other people at church today, but for some reason, God has me talking to this person. I will trust God's sovereignty and seek to make, um, see what I can do here before I refer. Okay. Cause I think one of the things that we, we might tend to do is go, I, I immediately don't feel right about this. I'll just refer you here. Come get a pastor. You know, uh, I would probably encourage someone to have a go first and see um, where God takes that, that conversation. Um, and for whatever reason, you might feel out of your depth or you might feel like there's an intensity about this person or we just not, we just don't seem to be connecting. I'd still have a go. And then, you know, in a, in a setting of a church, I might say, I'll, um, yeah, I'll, 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 maybe I'll bring someone in on this conversation, you know, maybe I'll just sort of, sort of figure out how to guide this conversation over to someone else. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, well, what I'll do is actually get, if you've got any further questions on this or the talk that Andy did on truth and grace, um, save them up, write them down. And in tomorrow night's Q&A Zoom session, which we'll have sort of in one sense in place of our usual just Zoom catch up after church, um, you can ask them there as well. So that, that'll be a space where you can ask Andy questions on his talk tomorrow night on love within community but you can also ask questions from today's talk as well is that okay Andy yeah look and and the thing is you know like say from today's talk we didn't really tease out um disagreement conversations you know conflict conversations hmm. where where you actually um need to say I'm I'm wrong please forgive me or you're wrong you know we we didn't tease out what being wrong is, is being wrong sinful or is being wrong, you know, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, or is being wrong, you, you clean the kitchen when you're cooking or you clean the kitchen after you're cooking. Okay. Is that wrong? So let's, let's have that. I'm, I'm keen to have that conversation. If you want to have those conversations after the talk tomorrow night in Zoom, we could go five hours. Let's have a huge comment. No, let's not do that. I'll be emotionally drained and burnt out at the end. So there, there could be avenue for in tomorrow night to actually workshop a little bit, things a little bit further. From Yeah, especially after hearing the talk on love. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's really key to how we should come into all those conversations, including the ones like today, like just the side-by-side -side conversations it is, it has to be driven by love for the other person. You know, that's why Jane was asking me the, these questions, not for her curiosity, but for my good. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks, Sandy. Thanks, Jane. Um, Thank you.